Nick asked me on Thursday when he was putting the bulletin together, he goes, what's the title of the message? I said, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm preaching yet. No, I, I did. I just kept going back and forth between two messages. Well, first of all, let me say thank you last week. Um, because of the great staff that we have here, uh, I was able to go down state and, for a week and my big vacation is to stay in a house and watch my grandson all week. But it was amazing. I loved it. Thank you so much. Pastor Neil preached a great message. I listened to it this morning. So I've already felt like I've been to church. Altar call. Kind of. Uh, it was a great message. But also, uh, last Monday, we did our final weigh-in. So there's no chocolate bars this morning. Too bad. But I have to say, I'm so excited because I, I, I'm not, uh, well, I like to win. I do like to win. I am a competitive person. But this was a bittersweet loss that I didn't win because the reason we did this, these 10 women got together and did this weight loss challenge, was for the person who ended up winning it. So it was a bittersweet, it's okay. If anybody else would have won, I probably would have cried. But because she won, it's okay. And that's Deborah was the big winner. With, she lost 15 and a half pounds. Man. And then she went home and ate the chocolate bars, right? Oh, no, she says, no, that's right. I do want to let you know that we did discuss after we... Um, Closed out the weight loss challenge and went to the donut shop. No, I'm just kidding. We did. That um, they want to do it again. So we're going to do it again the 1st of September. So ladies, men, no. No. Ladies, we're going to do um, the total amount weight loss and inches. So we're going to do both of them. So that competition will start in the 1st of September for the month. So if you want to be a part of that, see Deborah. Or Shannon, I'll always throw Shannon out there. Um, yeah, just throw her out there. But that will be the beginning of September, so eat all the calories you want this month. Stressful eating. Uh, um, no, I was third place. Hey. Right, be right behind Betty was second place. Yeah. So at least I'm in the top three, but to me, it's winners and losers. That's it. So it's like third place. Eh. All right. That had nothing to do with the message. All right. So today's message, turn with me over to Luke chapter 18. I want to share a message that I just, I mean, really not a title, but um, we'll call it, Will He Find Faith? And I want to share with you the parable of the persistent widow. So we're going to read Luke 18, starting at verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable, a story, to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, 
Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you just empower this word, O oh God, that it would become life to us. That we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but doers of your word as you intended us to be. God, apply this word to our life. Continue to speak to us throughout this message, God. With your mercy and compassion, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's look at just a couple things in that short little story. Number one, Jesus made it a point, said it twice, that it was an unjust judge or unjust judge. I know I always say that wrong, unjust. It's not on the just, it's unjust. Yeah, okay. Made a point to mention that he was an unjust judge. He didn't fear God. He didn't care about men. You notice he said that twice. Because if he would have been a godly judge, then you would have said, oh, well, he was supposed to do that, right? Oh, he was supposed to grant her justice. Oh, he was supposed to. He neither feared God nor cared about men. He pointed out that it was a widow. A widow. A widow is the weakest of all people. A widow. The weakest of all people kept coming after the unjust judge. The weakest of people have an audience before the judge. Kept coming with the plea. The plea. Not a plea, but the plea. The same thing, repeating the same thing, repeating the same thing, repeating the same thing. The plea. Grant me justice. Justice meaning relief, restitution, redemption. Grant me justice from my adversary. Do you realize you have an adversary? And it's not your neighbor. It's not your brother. It's not your sister. It's not your spouse. You have an adversary that his mission is to steal, kill, and destroy you. Period. Grant me justice from my adversary. His mission, financial bondage for you, emotional conflict for you, physical pain for you, death for you, separation for you. But Jesus came to destroy the work of the devil, your adversary. That was his mission. The unjust judge says she's going to get justice because of her persistence 
because of her persistence. When the adversary comes after you, wear him out with your persistence. When he screams at you, you're no good, go to your knees and cry out to God. When he comes after you with financial whatever, debt and destruction, he's trying to tear your money, go to God. Thank you, Lord. And give thanks for everything you have. Every time the enemy tries to knock you down while you're down, get on your knees and pray. Because if you do that, you'll wear him out. The scripture says that submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. You know, when you pick that word apart, it makes sense that every time the enemy tries to knock you down, if while you're down, it causes you to, while I'm here on my knees, I'm going to cry out to God. Thank you, God, for everything. The devil will get sick of that. He'll say, I'm not even going to attack this person anymore because every time I do, he just cries out to God and thanks God, right? But if you bellyache, whine, and back up, and oh, that's right, I'm horrible, oh, that's right, you know, poor, woe is me. He's like, go get him, go get him, go get him. But if every time he pokes you, you bleed Jesus' blood, he's like, I'm not touching that person anymore. Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil. That means don't turn to him and say, you're right. I'm so weak, I'm horrible, this is awful, life stinks. If every time he pokes you, you turn to God, he's like, get away from him. She will get justice because of her persistence, an unjust judge says. God will bring justice quickly to you. Jesus said, listen to the words of the unjust judge. And if you earthly fathers, the word says, want to do good and give good to your earthly children, how much more so does God, your heavenly Father, want to do good and give good things to you? Right? God will bring justice quickly for who? Those who cry out to him day and night. It's a point to be made here, and that's where I want to camp for this very brief message is persistence in prayer. Persistence in prayer. Then Jesus ends this parable, this story, by making this statement, verse 8. However, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I have to admit that that statement used to confuse me. Because I'd read the parable and then I'd be like, well, that, I don't think that belongs. Maybe that belongs with the next, you know, sentence or, you know, maybe, maybe he had walked somewhere and then said it, you know. How could it go with that? Well, it makes sense now, doesn't it? When you start looking at the parable and what he was trying to say there, what does it take to pray? Faith. It takes faith to pray. Right? Persistence. It takes faith to stay persistent in prayer. But what happens? Why do you start stop praying? Oh, you don't want to say it, do you? Because you lose faith. 
well, I don't know if God, I see he, God does that for that person or God did that for that person, but I don't know if he'd really do that for me. So you back off and you stop praying. That's why he said right here, however, when he comes, will he still find faith on the earth or will everybody still be fending for themselves? Because isn't that what we do? Well, I don't really want to. I mean, Helen was just saying that this morning. Where is Helen? There she is. Helen was just saying that this morning. That she learned a lesson when she, you know, hurt her arm that she hated asking people for help. God taught her in her hour of help, <laughs> weeks of help, that it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to ask for help. But see, we want to just fend for ourselves. We can take care of this ourselves. We don't need to ask for help. What, well, why don't you just, you know, if it barks like a dog, it looks like a dog, why don't you just call it a dog? It's a lack of faith. When you just want to take care of yourself, what do you really need God for? I can do this. Well, God said, like Amy said, God saved me. That's good enough. Really? Is that all? Boring. Yeah, boring, yeah. Think about it. The widow was commended for her persistence in prayer. She got justice because of her persistence in her request. Will he find faith? Faith is asking and believing, asking, not ask, asking and believing, not ask. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not yet see. Do not yet see, which means there's a continual Perpetual motion of praying, asking, believing, receiving. Praying, asking, believing. See, it has to keep going. It has to keep going. It's not an ask once, drop it, and leave it. I mean, come on, let's just be honest. There's some of us that have been lied to in the church. I mean, I can't tell you what year that was, but there was a ask it once, drop it, forget it now, because it's, it's a lack of faith if you ask for it again. I, I, I've searched. I can't find that anywhere. I can't find where God says, just ask me once. What does he say? Knock and keep knocking. Ask and keep asking. That's what I keep seeing. I don't, anywhere, I can't find this once, ask once and be done with it and don't ask again. That's almost prideful if you think about it, isn't it? I asked God once. That's good enough. Oh. It's a asking, believing, receiving. Corey Tenboom said, faith sees the invisible, believes the unbelievable, and receives the impossible. Why did the widow keep asking? Well, number one, because she didn't receive her justice yet. So she's going to keep asking. 
Because once she received it, did she keep asking? No. It's done. She got it. She don't need to keep asking. Why did she keep asking, though? Because she knew that judge was the one who held her answer. She knew he had the power and the authority to grant her request. That's why she kept asking. Do you have a bill that's too big for God? Do you have a relationship problem that's too big for God to mend? Do you have a marital problem that's too, got, too big for God to fix? Do you have a pain in your body that Jesus didn't already pay for? Okay, it's quick and easy to say those things, but are you walking in belief of those things? Do you persistently keep asking, Hey God, <laughs> I'm here. I know you've already healed me. I'm feeling this, but I know you've already healed me. I'm going to keep asking. Come on. Come on. I'm going to keep asking. Persistence in prayer says, faith says, God, I believe. No, I know. I know you have the power and the authority to answer my prayer. You promised in your word you will. And your word never fails. Some in the church, like I said, have been taught that once you just pray once, mention it to God, then you can walk away. This scripture that we're reading, this parable that Jesus himself told is persistence. He says right there to pray and not give up. To show you that you should always pray and not give up. Always pray. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Be joyful, always pray, just once, continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I, I always bring this up, people that come to me. Would you just pray that, you know, I would know God's will for my life? No, I don't need to pray that you know God's will for your life. I'll send people away from the altars who come up to me and ask me, would you pray that I just know God's will? No, right here. Go to 1 Thessalonians 5. This is God's will for your life. Everything else is just kind of second place. This is God's will for your life. Give thanks always. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You need to press in and keep pressing in. It's called faith in action. I mean, Paul's words over and over again, we're probably going to be doing a study on this soon. Faith and action. Faith in action. Faith and works. He said you can't have one without the other. You can't say that you believe in God and your life not show that you believe in God. Taking faith steps. Faith steps. Perseverance is persistence in faith. It doesn't quit. It doesn't stop believing. Have you ever dreamed of having a life without limits? I love adventure. 
I like excitement. I, I, I mean, I just, I, I, I don't believe any one of us was created to have a boring life, like Anna said. No. It's within every one of us, even if we find ourselves in our lazy boy chair a lot. It's in there somewhere. It might need to be woke up, but to have an adventurous life. We are destined to have a life without limits. The only way, the only way to receive that is to stop doing what only you can do. And start doing or start believing for what only God can do in you, through you. Because if you just do what only you can do, I can, well, what are you doing? Well, just what I can do. I'm just doing what I can do. Well, again, where's God needed in that? Where's adventure in that? Where's faith in that? Start believing, God, I don't know what to do right here. So I'm expecting something good. Because you're going to come through. Your word says you will. Your word says you'll never fail us. You'll never leave us. You'll never abandon us. But see, too often, we just continue to do just what we can do. Look with me at another story. Actually, this was not a parable. This one happened in John chapter 5. This is a healing of the man by the pool. In John chapter 5, it says, Some time later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethsaida, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, one who was there and had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him laying there and learned that he had been in this condition for such a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured and picked up his mat and walked. Jesus asked the man, do you want to get well. The man's reply shows that he was only doing what he could do. And when that happens, the, the negative result is that we blame others when we don't get a positive answer. Well, it's everybody else's fault. Nobody will help me into the water. So here I lay. 38 years. It's everybody else's fault. And can you just picture that day walking with Jesus? And he learned. So he must have been talking with his disciples. You know, look at all these people hanging around a pool, waiting to get well when their healer's walking through the crowd. 
if they had just turned to me. I've got the answer. I've got their healing. And they're looking at the water. And probably one of the disciples leaned over and said, some have been waiting here a long time. That one man right there, 38 years. We all talk about him. There he is again. Just laying there. 38 years. So Jesus presses his way through the crowd, gets up to the man. Do you want, do you want to be healed? Have you caught yourself doing the same thing? When you're setting back and your condition is less than perfect, your circumstance is less than perfect, first thing in your mind, well, it's so-and-so's fault. Well, if only he would start acting like, well, if my boss would just give me a, well, it's, Jesus said, if you just look at me, I've got your answer. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be free? Are you comfortable sitting there in your sin, in your brokenness, blaming others for your condition? Do you want to be free? Do you want to be healed? Will he find faith? Will you persist in praying? I have to admit, um, this meeting our own needs is not something that you just kind of get over with, get over and you'll never try to do that again. Because I recently just went through this and didn't realize till I heard it coming out of my mouth, I'm doing the same thing. I'm meeting my own need. See, we're desperately trying to get out of debt quickly. We don't want to be burdened by debt any longer. We want to. And so I had this great idea, you know, that I'd go get a part-time job. I could work it in my schedule and find one. And um, I, I could make it work. I'm a hard worker. I don't mind busy, frantic things. I'll do it. So I went out and got a part-time job. One month later, has it only been a month, month and a half? Every time, you know, something would happen, it was being like, oh, and now it's not helping. It feels like it's hurting. And so I told my boss, I said, I, I think I need to rethink this a minute and pray about this. So I'll give you an answer tomorrow. I, you know, this might not be working out. And so I sat down with Brian. I said, I need to talk to my husband. And we we're talking about it. And. He says, financially, it should have benefited us, right? You add more money, you should have more money, right? We could not account for not even $1 over what we had before. And something wrong with that. And I told him, and, you know, there's, it, I said, Something's going on. He goes, you know, I knew back a month and a half ago, don't your husbands usually have revelations, you know, in the hindsight, and you're wanting it in the foresight? Hindsight is always 20-20. That's right. And so they'll be quick to tell you. And anyway, and he says, you know, I had a feeling that when you took that part-time job that we were not stepping out in faith. We were trying to meet our own need. 
And I went, oh. Yeah. And when I was talking to some friends, and, you know, they're, you know, asking what I was doing, and I'm like, oh, yeah, and I got a part-time job. You did. Why? To meet my own need? Well, where's faith in that? Oh, yeah, where's faith in that? You know, if we have a need, why am I not more it Really? I mean, I am being totally transparent with you because this is hard to even confess that your pastor standing here today was, was not doing this. Why didn't I get on my knees right away? I mean, I had been, and hello, I've been praying and praying and praying. You know, God, you know, you know, we repented if we got into debt, you know, because we made poor decisions. We repented and, you know, making better choices and we're not still being, you know, frivolous or whatever that, you know, we're being frugal and being good stewards. And But see, I was saying all the right things, but I wasn't walking in faith. Just because you say faith-filled things, if you're not walking in that steps of faith, those faith-filled actions, oh Lord, oh Lord. So while we sat there at the couch and or in our chairs and we're like, okay, I said, well, all right, so uh, financially, accounting, paper-wise, we're going to have a lack then. Because if I couldn't account for and we wasn't seeing an increase, we're obviously going to see a decrease, right? If I, you know, quit this part-time job, we're going to take a step back. And I said, so let's, you know, we just, you know, let's just pray and believe right now, God, that you will meet well, all of our needs according to who's my bank account? His riches in glory. So that's been our mantra lately. We just keep, you know, God, according to your, you meet every need according to your riches in glory. Your riches, not my bank account, not my income, not my job, but according to your riches in glory. And you'll supply all our needs. And I'm telling you, as fast as, it wasn't even 24 hours later. As a matter of fact, wasn't it only like 12 hours later? From the time we stated, that's it. And I, you know, typed a nice text to my boss and gave her a testimony about, you know, I can't say I'm, you know, believing God if I'm not walking in faith. You know, so I shared the word with her while I was quitting. Anyway, not even 12 18 hours later, all of a sudden, our needs were met. And it wasn't that somebody just handed me a check, even though if you want to do that, you can. No, I'm just, no, stop it. No, it was a calculation error, because I am one nitpicky to the budget, to the penny, balance, you know, the checkbook person. And so when I went up that next day, not even 24 hours later, to sit down and pay the bills that I had scheduled to pay out of that check, I'm like, something's wrong. And I kept hitting the calculator. Something's wrong. And, cal and I went back through the, pulled it back out again where I thought that we had a lack. We all of a sudden had an abundance. And I, I know, I came down the steps and I'm like, Brian, there's money there. Can you believe, you know, where there wasn't, there was, why? Faith. Because when we say, well, we'll just take care of this ourselves," what does God do? Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, give it a shot. You want to do this on your own? Go ahead. But I mean, when really, and really, we felt the weight of it. Because it, 
I mean, if you're looking at, here's bills in this column, bills, and income in this column, you know, there's a lack. And you're, I was reading this and I'm like crying out to you day and night, God. You're going to get weary of hearing this same plea. You're going to grant justice quickly. Your word says you will when I'm persistent in prayer. Why do I persist in prayer? Not because I'm selfish and I want, I want, I want. Because I know he has and he wants to give, give, give. And so faith is believing. I'm going to keep asking and I'm going to believe that you will supply all my needs according to your riches in glory. Not according to my bank statement. I'm closing with this. Just a reminder. So, Amy, yeah, if you want to come back up. In Daniel, I think it's chapter 10. I might have wrote it down. Yeah, in, Jan, in Daniel chapter 10, Daniel began to cry out and believe God. He needed to hear a word from God. And it said he went into a fast, a 21-day fast. And on the 24th day, God showed up, sent an angel with his word. And this is what the angel said. Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding. He needed to hear a word from God. You ever need to hear a word from God? When you set your mind, which means he was probably on his face constantly. God, I need you. I need to hear a word. Lord, I need to hear a word. Like the persistent widow. And humble yourself before God since the first day your words were heard. And I have come in response to them 24 days later though. But the prince of Persia resisted me 21 days. See, his answer would have came in three days. But the king, the prince of Persia's kingdom, resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there. And now I come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future. Here's the vision. And he explained it to him. Do you understand that your prayer, I think I said that a couple weeks ago. I was given a, a word from God that somebody here was expecting or waiting for or, or running out of faith or kept trying to hold on to their faith but was starting to get tired and weary that the answer's not coming, the answer's not coming. And God wanted to tell that person that day, which in response to that, I got three people afterward that said, well, I was too shy to raise my hand, but that word was for me. That they needed to hear that, that God says your word, your answer, your request is coming quickly. Listen, for the wings of the angels are coming. You can hear them if you keep asking, keep believing, keep pressing in. If Daniel would have just waited the three days, nice fast, three days, right? I didn't hear an answer from God. He must want me to, I don't know, do something else, I guess. 
he would abandon his answer and war instead of waiting. Warnings over and over again in Scripture about being unfaithful. Think about that. Unfaithful is not the lost people. Unfaithful people is not the wicked people. Unfaithful people are not the people without Christ. Unfaithful people described in the Bible are people who call themselves Christians but are living without faith. And over and over again, the warnings are those. I mean, in Proverbs chapter 2 alone, it says that the unfaithful will be torn from the land. I mean, you bear his name, but you don't walk in his fame. All the suffering, all the pain that he went through for you to walk in freedom, for you to walk in faith, and you just want the name tattooed across your chest. I just want to wear the Christian badge, put the bumper sticker on my car. That's good enough just to be saved, right, Amy? No. So that's not what I died for. It's not what Christ lives in intercession for us. Why? So we can just exist. I don't have time for that right now. Proverbs 2, 21 through 22 says, For the upright will live in the land, and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land. And, see, the unfaithful will be torn from it. There's a distinction there. You calling yourself a Christian, but you're walking without faith? When the Son of Man comes, will he still find faith? Or will you continue to just fend for yourself? See, I heard Pastor Neil preach this last week, and we over and over again, it's like pulling teeth at times to get you to come up and respond at the altar. But if I was to wave a $100 bill right now and say, well, hey, if the first one who wants this, what would you do? Wouldn't you run up and grab it? But no, see, we think it's, it's okay to sit in our seats and say, well, God, if you want me to have it, you'll bring it to me. I'm telling you, at the altar... God's got something far more valuable for you than a hundred dollar bill. But you need to come up and receive it. It's for you. Church is so that you can get filled up. So that you can go and get poured out. But if you just sit there and think, feed me for me so I can go and make it through another works week so I can come back. So you can feed me so I can make it through another week. That's not the life Christ died for you to have. That's not the abundant life. That's not the life without limits. He wants you to live. But it takes faith to keep, stop taking care of yourself and depend on God. Here I am. Here I am. So would you please stand? I want us to just pray two things. Two things today. Well, first, I just don't feel like it's right to ever leave a service that if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if he isn't the Savior and the Lord of your life, don't leave today without making Christ 
your Savior. And it's a simple prayer that you just ask Him, you know, first ask Him to forgive you for living life on your own, for sins. God died, gave His one and only Son to die on the cross for you so that you can have a right relationship with Him again. Your past, your all your sins forgiven, your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So you have an eternal home, but there's far more than just the, the home in heaven, but life, abundant life here on earth by receiving all He has for you. So don't leave today if that's you and you need to make that uh, relationship, build that relationship and begin that relationship with God. Don't leave today. But what I want to ask you also is, is there a prayer that you've given up on? You've prayed once and you thought, well, the answer never came. I guess this must be my cross to bear or my thorn in the flesh. Jesus said, ask and keep asking. Persistence in prayer. So if there's a prayer that you've given up on or you haven't prayed again in a long time, you, you threw it out there and it just wasn't answered right away, so, well, it must not be for me. I want to breathe life into that prayer again in you. And we want to ask God, the Holy Spirit, to breathe spiritual life back into that again. And what it is, is it's fanning that flame of faith in you, in you to persist in prayer in faith and the second if when I was sharing that story with you about the man who was healed by the pool and you heard Jesus' words do you want to get well and it struck a chord in your heart we want to pray with you today because that is God's word for you today. Do you want to be free? Do you want to be healed? Because your healer's here today. And it's not the pastor. It's not the prayer partners. Jesus is here today. The Holy Spirit is here today. To heal. To heal. To heal. To save. To deliver. To set free. So if that's you, while I pray over everyone, with nobody else leaving, or I want you to come up front. I want you to respond, God, that there is, you know, God knows there's something in your heart that he placed in you to begin praying for and you kind of gave up on. He's seen you laying by this pool for the last 38 years and he hasn't given up on you. Do you want to get healed? Do you want to be free? Come up to the front. Let's close this time now.